You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. In the blue corner, we've got Mr. Carl supporting Tottenham. In the red corner, we've got Mr. Kenner's supporting Arsenal. Together, they will be discussing all of your football views, all of your football news. So join us here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the football podcast, Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And uh, we're going to be discussing all the latest developments, uh, news and gossip from the world of football, particularly the Premier League. And this last weekend, Jeff, we had the FA Cup. We had the magic of the FA Cup. The so-called magic. No big upsets, I suppose, apart from Liverpool with a strong team were 2-0 up away at Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury. 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 I don't know where they say that, but they do somewhere, don't they? Well, they know in Shropshire they say, and Shrewsbury is the capital of Shropshire, they say Shrewsbury. So it is Shrewsbury. They were 2-0 down at home to Liverpool. They're in League One. Liverpool, you know, riding high in the Premier League. They came back, scored two goals and got themselves a deserved replay. That is an upset, would you say, do you think? Well, I think it's very much an upset. They're in terms which people my age can understand, this was a third division team. Yeah. Coming back from 2-0 down against the almost crowned champions of England, everyone who everyone says is the best team in the world, and they'll bank a lot of money from the replay. Well, you'd hope so, yes. Got a couple of things to say about it because they ha- they they're going to get the replay. It's sort of during this new winter break thing that's coming up. Jurgen Klopp has decided he's going to field a team of youngsters. He's not even going to go to the uh, the game himself. He is going to field a team of youngsters, as I say, and uh, his under twenty three coach will be taking charge of the team. A lot of people are saying it's disrespectful to the magic of the cup, as you call it, including uh, Accrington Stanley chairman, obviously a small team. Uh, Accrington Stanley chairman Andy Holt said, "You know, you're in." Embarrassing yourself, he said on Twitter. You're tarnishing your reputation. You're killing the FA Cup. This is our football, not yours. Well, he's absolutely right in in all of that. However... Klopp has got the right to field whatever team he wants to and he thinks his time would be better spent with the first team squad making sure they finish the season unbeaten which mm. would be an incredible thing. I wish they would bring back the law that said you 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 know you must by law field your strongest side. Yeah, it just seems to me, I understand that he wants to win the league. I understand that he wanted to win the Club World Cup mm. and therefore fielded a weakened team against Aston Villa in the Carabao Cup and disrespected that, as some might say. But that was at the same time. He hasn't got any other games going ar- uh, no, around this, this yeah. replay with Shrewsbury. Frankly... Liverpool should have beaten Shrewsbury on the day. Well, of course they should. And if he, if there's a replay, well, whose fault is that? Yeah, it's his own fault. Emotionally, I think it's very, very sad that he's disrespecting the oldest competition in the world. Disrespecting being my word here. Brendan Rodgers has said that he, uh, that Klopp is well within his rights to do that, which I suppose well, he uh, is, I mean, kind he, of. He is, but as the Accrington Stanley manager or chairman, wasn't it? Chairman, yeah. As, as the chairman says, OK, you make your decision, you get judged by people on it. So, mm. OK, fine. I'd like to see Shrewsbury win now. I'd love to, and and certainly Klopp has given the Shrewsbury manager all the ammunition he needs to wind his team up. They're disrespecting you. They don't want to play you. You know, just wind them up and send them out. Yeah, I mean, they, they're one of the players for Shrewsbury said, you know, it's disappointing, but actually it gives us a chance on the flip side. But he did also say that, you know, our fans are expecting a big day out at Anfield to see some of the world's top players, and they won't get that chance now. So it's a bit sad for those, the fans. It's very sad, but, you know, if they do, you know, if they do win, the the record books don't don't have a little asterisk that says weakened team, do they? It's just no. they beat them. No, no. Liverpool nil, Shrewsbury, well, yeah, that's what it'll show, yeah. They're on course to win the league. They're the inevitables. They could be the invincibles, but they are the 
inevitables. So they're going to win the league. They're still in the Champions League, obviously. That's a big trophy for them to win. They won it last year. The league is their preferred thing to win this season. Yes, if if they don't win the league, winning the Champions League and winning the FA Cup, the season will be deemed a failure. So they've got to win the league. I understand that. But you would like to add one other trophy to that, surely? I would have thought so, but... You know, you want to be the best you can be. <laughs> yes, but winning the league is the is the target. Yeah. That's the thing that was, you know, that was Manchester United fans in particular were, were pointing at them and sneering and making unpleasant comments last season after they won the Champions League. Oh, yeah, but you didn't win the league, did you? How many years has it been? And all that sort of nonsense. So get that monkey off their back. You'll see a sort of different approach next season. They've got to actually win it. They have got to win it still, yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, I, th- I just think it's a shame that they did that with the Carabao Cup. Aston Villa now in the semi-final, of course. Good. You know, against Leicester. They probably won't win it. That's being played this week. Man City are in the semi-final against Man United. Guardiola was complaining that only 39,000 people turned up for their FA Cup game, uh, which they sailed through. But that's not a bad turnout, is it really, for FA Cup, do you think, against lower opposition? Well, I don't know, but turnout has been a problem for Manchester City, even in the Champions League, hasn't it? Well, actually, that's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. Considering the wealth of talent on display, it isn't really the most attended club. I mean, West Ham and Newcastle got more people at their games at their games in the FA Cup last weekend than, than Man City. So it says a lot, doesn't it, really? It does, really, yeah. yeah. Talking of which, West Ham then, Jeff. Oh, yeah. I asked you before we started, you know, we said, were there any upsets in the Cup? West Ham losing at home to West Brom, not entirely an upset because you're only like six places above them, yeah. in a way. I mean, they're in the Championship, but... Physically, I suppose, you're only just above them. Yes. Is it, it's not really going that well for Moyes, is it? It's, it's not going that well. And, and the, the measure of how well it is not going <laughs> is, is, is David Moyes' comment. that you, you know, he made three substitutions at half-time. Right, yeah. I mean, which is very, very unusual. And he said he wished he could have made more. That's a terrible damning of your own team, though, isn't it? That but I think they need it. I think they need somebody really tough to remind them that they're not Manchester United. There is no entitlement here. You have to fight for everything. You know, maybe he's the guy to do it. We'll see. Before we move on, because I want to talk about Manchester United, your trivia question. Valverde at Barcelona, Scott Simon, who was the manager of Rangers in 1967, Antoine Comboire, who was the manager of PSG in 2011, Radomir Antic, manager of Real Madrid in 1992, Branko Zebec, who was manager of Hamburg in 1980, and George Burley, who was the manager of Hearts in 2005. They're all connected by one thing. What is it? At well, first glance, you can't see very much in common between a lot of those. No. All right, we'll find out the answer later. Right, so West Ham, not pulling up what is it, you know, pulling up weeds or whatever the expression is against well, anybody. They're, they're, and not experiencing the managerial bounce either. Not at all, no. No, I mean, people talk about Mourinho at Tottenham, but really, I mean, he's got more points than Pochettino had at this stage at the beginning of his Tottenham career, but I don't see any change at West Ham at all, to be honest, not really. You can just about make an argument that defensively they're a little bit better. It's, no. No, really, th- th- there is no change. I mean, I don't see that he stamped his, no. if he's got it, style or method, shall we say, on the, on that team. I don't see, from what we've watched uh, on what I've read, there doesn't seem to be a... Even if you're losing, but you're playing it under the manager's new style or uh, in his in his image, if you like, at least if you're doing that, you can see that he's doing something. But I yeah. don't see any change. It's just like he's there. Yes, exactly. I, I, I don't see any change. I can't. S- there doesn't appear to be any more effort from Anderson. The defence is still an absolute shambles. There's that back four. Try and stop any bit of film and see if you can find a line with the f- back four West Ham defenders on it. You can't. 
Zabaleta is always out on one side. The left centre-back, the guy who plays beside Diop, whichever one it is, are never there. Now, one of those, you know, how it works is one of those defenders has to be the key. He has to set the line. And it should be the far full-back because he's the one who can see across the line he, everything is in front of him. Well, they're clearly not doing that. They're no. clearly not. No, so there's no evidence of that, no. Let's be honest. If you're going to play Zabaleta as your right-back, you are playing with 10 men. Yeah, you're already at a disadvantage. Yeah. All right, that's West Ham. Tottenham came away with a draw away at Southampton. They were leading most of the game, let a goal in late. I'm not, as a Tottenham fan, not particularly surprised or disappointed, really. I mean, you know, Southampton was another Premier League club who happened to have been playing very well lately. They, ha- they have been playing well, and the people who supported Mourinho were... were were full of, oh, Mourinho knows how to win. Oh, and mm. Well, actually, we've seen no evidence of it so far. We saw no evidence of it at Manchester United. As far as Mourinho goes, you know, I'm a Tottenham fan. I was in two minds, at least, about his appointments. His record, as I say, is no worse than Pochettino's. He hasn't particularly improved the team. I've seen some players are playing better under him, some players. He is bringing Sessegnon finally into the team, who had a bit of a nightmare this last couple of weeks. And Lo Celso, who's turning out, finally, to be a good signing. Oh, no, he was he was always good signing. He just needed to be played. And He needed to be played. And, and Mourinho's... To bring, get his confidence up. At least Mourinho is playing him. And if you look at the highlights from the South game and a one before he completely when he had the chance bossed the game yeah, yeah and I well. I think Tottenham have got some new signings coming in this week uh, we can't really discuss them because none of them are absolutely nailed on but I think Lo Celso will be a player to build the new team around and if the new signings come in because there's two or three at least I think you'll see a very different Tottenham team in February than we have in January and December well I, I hope so and, and I hope I hope he will build, build around Lo Celso because he's class player he's, a, he's the real deal he really yeah. is He's one of those players I know you like because even if he receives the ball with his back to the opponent's goal, he won't look at options in front of him. He will turn on a six. They used to say, didn't they, on a sixpence or something. (laughs) He will turn on the spot and go forward and look for the forward uh, option. And I noticed in the last couple of games, that's what he was doing all the time. Even if he had a defender on him, man marking him, he would turn them and look for a forward, and he would run, then run and run very fast with the and ball. Go for the return, yeah. But better, better to lose the ball further down into the opponent's opposition, lose a ball in your own half. Of course it is. So yeah. losing the ball, take the risk. Yeah, exactly. And if if they can get Ndombele fit enough to play sort of thirty games a season, Ndombele mm. as your box to box guy, along with Lo Celso, you'll have a fantastic midfield. Ryan Sessegnon as a as a wing back maybe or even as another midfielder that'd be a seriously good midfield got you know of course you've got Deli Ali who we know what he can do you've got Son who is fantastic yeah. hopefully Kane will come back that's not going to happen soon might be building something again that's what they said about Pochettino but the actual squad looks quite exciting as they're coming in and Ericsson mm. has finally gone it looks like having his medical yesterday I think it was yeah, supposed to be so, yeah. Daniel Levy sort of got what he wanted in the sense that he you know, wouldn't settle for less than 20 million euros I did read something this week it's, I'm not going to take credit for this but uh, rather the way somebody described Daniel Levy he's the sort of man who would date somebody half his age and then forget his wallet at home <laughs> oh a Jag driver a Jaguar driver yeah oh. isn't that brilliant yeah. <laughs> date a young woman and then say oh I've got any money that's what he's doing he's he's flirting with all these young players and and gifted and talented players and when it comes to paying and buying them he sort of backs out but he has sold Ericsson for around 20 million 
Yeah, so only 50 million less than they were offered back in the summer, yeah. Great. Yeah. What a great business Ben Levy is. Yeah. But on the flip side of the coin, 20 million more than they got this coming summer, I suppose. True. So they had to get him out this, this week. Yeah, he true. had to go. But I think the, the, the key point out, out of the Ericsson thing is Lo Celso is a step up. He's an improvement. Can I just go back to what you said? Can I just remind everybody that you yourself are actually a Jag driver? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, ter- I'm terribly sorry. I've had to left my wallet at home. Do you mind? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ericsson's gone. Um, a lot of Tottenham fans are saying, well, mixed bag, but saying good riddance because he's been pretty poor for Tottenham of late. Well, good but he's been a great servant for the good club. Good riddance is wrong. I mean, he, he was a great servant and unless you're privy to everything that's happening behind the scenes you, you're not entitled to say good riddance you don't we don't know what actually has happened. no we don't we nobody has any idea i mean i'd just like to give credit to one of the facebook pages that i'm a member of glory glory tottenham hotspur on there quite reasonable uh, the fans are pretty much saying look let him let him go and enjoy his football again let him go and earn some money he's going to earn like three times what he earns at tottenham four four because, times is it because he, well the money that they're quoting in italy when they quote those numbers that's a net of tax oh yeah that's right so you know the, f- the fans on that Facebook page at least the Tottenham fans there are saying you know he's, do- he's been great for the club over the years got us to places we probably shouldn't have got to without him or couldn't have got to without him he's played some great football you know it's time for him to move on good luck to him and I think that's the right attitude absolutely you know, I mean well done Christian Eriksen, you know, good luck to him, mate, because you're going to yeah. earn a lot of money. As a Tottenham fan, I'm kind of glad he's gone because it does put an end to that era, yeah. in a way. The, the squad is evolving and changing. He's part of the old guard in many ways, and he wanted to go. He's wanted to go for a while. So yeah, once a player wants to go, you've you've got to get him out as quickly as possible, and that's that's the problem they had. They didn't do it quickly enough. Here's a a, a question for you, which occurred to me while you were speaking a couple of minutes ago. What if Harry Kane has already played his last game for Tottenham? Tried not. You've, now you've mentioned that. I've been trying not to. I can't unhear that now. It's a possibility. It is a. It's a. It's a, a reasonable possibility. He's due back possibly in March. He's come back from injuries before, possibly too early. Possibly too early. Yeah. You know, as as you say many times on this show and on the radio show we do for just to give them credit, ninety three point six Global Radio on the Costa del Sol. We do a Saturday sports show for them. You've said there that strikers have a shelf life. Much more than other players. And he's played a lot of games for Tottenham. He's played a lot of games for England. And he's injured again. You know, he does get one injury every sort of... 12, well, 14 he, months. He takes, he takes a lot of punishment from central defenders. I mean, the, fir- the first thing they, they've got to do is kick you hard around the back of your knees. And that, that's what oh central yeah. defenders are taught to do. And he's been doing that for, or receiving that for a long while. He's injured. Do you think he might have played? You suggested he might have played his last game for Tottenham. I'd hate to think that was true. Well, I don't know. It depends how, how quickly it takes him to, to get back. I mean, he, I, I guess he can't be bought in March or April. No. Nope. Has, has to wait till the end of the season. Will he actually come back? I don't know. I suppose the question is is expressed better as has he come to the conclusion he's got to move on as well? I mean, it's a thing I don't want to think about in many ways because Harry Kane, again, like Ericsson, but even more so, I think, probably taken us to places further than we should have got. Very much Because so. he's an absolutely world-class striker. Yeah, he he is. is. Of all the England players and England squad, he's actually one that can be called world-class. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt about that whatsoever. But if Mourinho is building and he's buying and he's building this new squad, maybe it won't be so necessary to have Harry Kane because maybe the team around an incoming striker might be better than the team that was around Harry Kane, if you see my point. He's replaceable. Um, Almost. Well, every player, every player, I guess, except Lionel Messi is replaceable. All it takes is his agent to say, have whispers around, well, you know, we, we're looking to move in, in the summer, and literally every club in the world would want him. 
Oh, they'd be jumping on it, yeah. yeah. I mean, Real jumping. Madrid will, will break their bank for him. I mean, one club would be Real Madrid, and that kind of tenuously brings me on to the next Tottenham signing. They, now the rumours are really escalating, as they do during the transfer window. I mean, the way I've read it, and it's in from reasonable papers like The Guardian right down to rags and um, like The Sun, that behind-the-scenes negotiations have escalated quite dramatically over the last few days for Bale to go to Tottenham. Personally, yeah, please, why not? I, I think it would be it would be very good, apart from one thing, and that's Mourinho. And he's tended not to tolerate or encourage or like um, wide players, attacking players who don't tackle back and cover and behave the same way as every other midfield player. And Eden Hazard is a perfect case in point. Mm. Ordinarily, you'd say for Tottenham that would be a great deal. And I think Bale would love it and it would enhance Tottenham. The problem is the manager. He's not. He's not a positive attacking manager. What will happen? Look at look at what he did to Chelsea over the years with those young positive attacking players he had, gradually turning them into defensive midfielders. SEN, perfect example. Mm. It should be a great deal for Tottenham. With Mourinho, I haven't seen much evidence yet of sort of defensive teams because we, we've kept one clean sheet in 17 under Mourinho. This defensive team hasn't happened, but the attacking team hasn't really happened either. But if you've got and Dombele and you've got Lo Celso and Cessignon there is an exciting team being built there very if he nice. uses the players in the right way yes very much so I mean he's used Lo Celso correctly because he's mm. had like we said some outstanding performances Bale on the move possibly another one going in the opposite direction could be Paul Pogba whose agent said last week and I couldn't believe this his agent said that Paul Pogba is very disappointed because Manchester United have not lived up to his expectations you know oh, the answer is likewise surely yeah, yeah I mean that's criminal of Manchester United not to live up to Pogba's expectations. I mean, he's the one that they've paid for. It's not the other way around. Well, exactly, he's not bought yeah. them. Yeah, but if you look at Pogba's, Pogba's uh, history, he has only ever looked at you know, a genuine top-class player where he's had two holding midfielders behind him. Two. And Manchester United have never had that. In fact, they've, they've very rarely even had one. <laughs> so they, they've, yeah. they expected him, and Mourinho expected him to be a, you know, the tackling, forward-pushing, box-to-box midfielder like Ndombele, but that was never his game. Mm. He's an attacking inside-left in exactly the same way that Zidane was. And Juventus, you know, un- under Conte and, and the manager that followed him, Allegri, Juventus played him like that. He said, OK, we don't want you doing any defensive stuff. We've got two guys back here going to do that. Um, you get forward and you unlock defences and you, you create space and create chances. Now, Mourinho is completely incapable of managing a team to do that. He just doesn't know how. The world has passed him by. Does Solskjaer know? Well, you know, let's, let's be honest about Solskjaer here. However nice he is and however much Manchester United players love him, if anybody, any candidate for their management job, not called Solskjaer, but who had a record of getting Cardiff relegated and winning the league in Norway, had been considered for the job of manager, they would have laughed and shouted and screamed. Yet that's what they did. So it's no surprise that Manchester Mm. United can't attack and can't defend because their manager's never done it. Pogba has performed exactly as you would expect Pogba to perform, given given what he was what he was playing with. With, yeah, and around, yeah, or what was around him. Well, Manchester United 
Paul Pogba's team are through to the next round, the fifth round of the FA Cup. They beat Tranmere from League One, so no big deal there. But it was 6-0, they got five in the first half. They kind of needed that because there, there, there is talk of Solskjaer going pretty soon. His days are more numbered now than they were, were at the beginning of the season, that's for sure. I think they've got to do something. If they delay long enough to miss, miss out on Pochettino, then they've made a huge mistake. Well, there's two things though, isn't it? Maybe they're waiting. This is like double-edged sword or whatever you call it. They're waiting because Pochettino will cost them at least 20 million if he signs before the end of the season. This is true, yes. But if they wait to save the 20 million, they might miss out on Pochettino. So it's like, yeah. well, it's, it's a bit it's, of a... It's, uh, it's a game that Woodward's got to play, isn't it? In the ordinary course of events, somebody in Woodward's position who had hired three chief executives to run his run his company and they'd all failed, that person would be required mm. by the, the shareholders to step aside. How many times can you make the same mistake and get it wrong? Yeah, United are through to the next round. Let's have a little look at what happens in the, the fifth round. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday have got a tasty tie against Manchester City, who got through very easily. Reading have got to replay against Cardiff and the winner will face Sheffield United. Chelsea will face the winner of the one we were talking earlier, Shrewsbury and Liverpool. The team that beat West Ham, West Brom, will face either Newcastle or Oxford. Who, that was also surprisingly a draw at Newcastle, wasn't it? So, yeah. you know, Oxford did very well there. Leicester are through and they'll face uh, Coventry City or Birmingham City. And that's the interesting one because we were talking about it on Saturday. Coventry rent Birmingham's ground. So on Saturday, they were at home and at Birmingham. Birmingham were away at their own stadium. And then the replay will have to go to Coventry, which is Birmingham. at Birmingham. And Birmingham will have to travel from Birmingham to Birmingham. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that changes, I suppose, is they swap dressing rooms. They but it's, dressing rooms, it's yeah. a weird state of affairs, uh, oh, that, yeah. that replay. Yeah, but it happens in Italy, quite, or, or used to happen in Italy quite often with Milan, didn't it? Yeah. Milan versus Inter. Yeah, there's a lot of, th I mean, I think it's less now, but uh, not so long ago, there was a lot of ground sharing in, in European football yeah, in right, general. Yeah. It, and you and I both lived in Russia, and that was, it. a lot of Russian teams actually don't have their own ground no, in right, their yeah. Premier League. They don't actually have a home, you know, you'd go and see different teams playing at each other's stadiums. There was no sense of a home ground at all. Well, there, there was always Dynamo and Luzhniki, wasn't there? That's yeah. That most of the matches took place in. Now, after the World Cup, of course, they all, they've all got their own grounds now. Right, yeah, so things have changed. Yeah, but so, um, you know, Dynamo, whoever plays at Luzhniki, and there's... Locomotive. Yeah, Locomotive. Yeah, Locomotive played at Luzhniki. They've now got that, I mean, but 10 years ago, more built a state-of-the-art stadium, didn't they? They were one of the first. But there we are, Coventry and uh, Birmingham sharing a stadium. Wayne Rooney, if his team, Derby County, can beat Northampton in their replay, come up against his old team, Man United. I'd love it to be, because he's played three times for Derby, one assist, one red card, not much of a, nothing spectacular. I've seen a few highlights, he's playing all right. But it'd be great if he scored his first Derby County goal against Manchester United. I'd like that. I'd like to see that. You know what would be better? If he scored his first hat-trick against Manchester United. <laughs> all right then, yeah. That would be even better, yeah. Uh, Southampton, they've got to replay Tottenham, so it could be Tottenham or Southampton against Norwich. And then Portsmouth against Arsenal. Arsenal were 2-0 up away at Bournemouth last night, actually. Came away 2-1 winners. No big, no big deal really well, against, there. Against Bournemouth's well, youth team, was it? The yeah, Bournemouth put out a very weakened yeah, side because they um, they're struggling uh, in the league. I can kind of understand more Bournemouth putting out a weakened team yes. than Liverpool, yeah, to be honest. Not, them not getting relegated is, is, well, it's everything for them, isn't it? Yeah, right. I mean, Liverpool have won the league, let's be fair. And Bournemouth need to stay up because it will cost them millions if they go down. Tens of millions. Tens of millions, yeah. Tens of millions. So you can kind of understand them going, well, you know, it's Arsenal. It's the next round of the FA Do we need the FA Cup? No, we don't. No. You know, so Arsenal should have done better. Is that what we're saying? Oh, well, Arsenal should very much have done better against that team, yeah. So I mean, Bournemouth 
first team squad is pretty t- pretty poor. So it's going to be a lot worse. Their youth team or whatever. But yeah, Arsenal through the next round and they'll play Portsmouth. A uh, little interesting fact about Portsmouth, which would you believe I've lived this long to only find out yesterday that Portsmouth is an island. Is it really? Yeah, Portsmouth is an island. Yeah, see, you didn't know either. Genuinely, an it's island. genuinely an island. Not like island no, it's an actual there. island. It is surrounded by water. Portsea Island, uh, and the whole of Portsmouth City is on the island. It's starting to expand now to the mainland because it's getting yeah. bigger as every city does. But there are Portsmouth. So Arsenal travelling to an island. Um, why don't, oh, why don't they rename themselves the Portsmouth Islanders? <laughs> yeah, Portsmouth Islanders. Oh, they're great. That sounds like a baseball team, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, baseball or yeah, one of those sports. Yeah. Yeah. No, an ice hockey team. That's the fifth round uh, of the FA Cup. going to be played on the week of March the 2nd. No replays in the fifth round because of this winter break and all that. So that means it'll go to uh, extra time and then penalties. The FA rather shoot themselves in the foot here, don't they? Because if their argument is all about the, the magic of the cup and bringing income to the smaller teams, etc., why, why do you not have replays in the fifth round then? Well, because they've got this winter break and it means that there's extra time and not extra... It means that the FA Cup will go on longer than it needs to because in the, in the obviously you can't have any games in the break. So so why from the you know first to the fourth round do they have replays? I don't know, the thing is, I don't think they thought it through, Jeff. <laughs> it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like the sort of... It feels like the FA, a lot of the time, just sort of... St- a bit like I do in my life, just sort of stumble through things and hope it works out. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the winter break, to me, doesn't seem that well thought out, to be honest. Well, it isn't well thought out. I mean, you either have one, like they do in Germany, where it shuts down for two weeks, mm. job done, or you don't have it. You don't have this nonsense where nobody knows which ten teams it is that are having a break this week and which aren't, and... It's it's a two week break, but in in the f- one week ten teams play against each other, and the other week the other ten play against each other. All the games, so there's ten games in one week. All those games will be played at separate times. There are no three o'clock kickoffs. They're all played staggered during the two days, Saturday and Sunday. Instead of having the normal three o'clock kickoffs, they've decided to spread them out. It just makes no sense. Well, that's just for the television, isn't it? It's for the television. So it's like. A February special, winter special, isn't it? It's not a break. It's just a chance to, to have less games so you can have them all, you know, starting at nine in the morning till nine at night or something. So you can actually, if you want to, that's not actually how it is, but you could, you know, watch every single game if you pay for it instead of them all happening at once so you miss them all. The teams are going to go away. They're going to play friendlies. They're going to have winter training camps. Exactly. You know, Liverpool, who are going to have a game because they've got they've got this replay against Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, but it's, you know, it's just, it's a nonsense. It is a nonsense, yes. Which kind of should be, whatever it would be in Latin, would be the Latin motto of the FA. In Latin, whatever, it's a nonsense is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's the FA Cup, that's what's been happening. Talk of a takeover at Newcastle. And I know you've, since I've known you, you've long held an opinion about Newcastle as a club and as a team. You, what is it you used to call them? Oh, well, at the start of the season, they were just, they were just terrible. And I used to call them jongleurs. Jongleurs, that was it, yes. Care to club. explain that to our well, listeners? Jongleurs is, uh, is a, a number of comedy clubs yes, in, in the a, UK. A, They're called jongleurs. It's a franchise of comedy yeah. clubs, isn't it? So yeah. Newcastle are the, the comedy club, so they're yeah. jongleurs FC. Yes, yeah, they are the comedy store of football, yeah. yeah. I mean, Mike Ashley, who's owned the club since 2007, we know he wants to sell it, valued at 340 million. I mean, Tottenham, with their new billion-pound stadium, I don't think you'd, I don't think you'd get, the, you'd get the changing room for 340 million, would you? It doesn't sound like a lot of money in today's terms. Well, you, you've got to remember with the billion-pound stadium, the 900 million of that is debt. So, yeah, you're not so buying you, that, I suppose. So yeah. you probably could get it, but I don't think it's true to say that Ashley has been 
seriously trying to sell. Ashley will sell to anybody that gives him the money that makes it worthwhile him selling. And I, th I think that is something close to 400 million. The reason for saying that is you look how much money he's taken out of the club every year. It's in the 30 to 40 million a year. So to persuade him to give up that, you've got to pay, capitalize that at 10%, you're, you're down to 350 to 400 million. That's his price. Now if, and he, he has very often said, look, I will only sell at the right price. You offer me the right price, I'll sell. And nobody has. Now the rumors are that this, um, you know, these potential buyers who are rumored to be Saudi Arabian sovereign wealth fund have offered 350 million. So it might be right, but I'm always very suspicious when something when secret negotiations suddenly become public because what's happening there is one party is trying to bounce the other into a deal. First of all, very sexually named and uh, quite clearly, you know, guilt-free Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund. As you, you know, first of all, if I was a, a Newcastle fan, I'd be thinking, great, lots of money coming in. Maybe that would be one thought. The second thought is, what the heck does a wealth fund know about football or care about football? And thirdly... It's Saudi Arabia with right. a terrible human rights record, funding terrorism. Go. There's all sorts of question marks. I think I think where we're getting to is to pose the question: Is this a step too far? Oh. Is this a, a step that you would like to see your? Would you like to see your club, something that you feel part of, owned by those people? No, I, w I would not. I th and I think, I would imagine that, that football fans will be split 50-50 and some people say, no, it just is not worth it. And, it, and if anybody wants a, a good, art, good reason why, what happened on September the 11th? Just yeah. ask that question and then say, do you want those people running your, your club? I'm afraid it is down to, it's a bit, I don't know, for people who don't, see the extent of that's a bit like saying do you want the nazi party to own your no it, i don't it is exactly the same i'd rather thing. never win anything again but there, there is the reality that football fans everywhere keep forgetting that football is uh, certainly in the uk well certainly in england is a business yes solely a business we talk about clubs so the saudi arabia sovereign wealth fund looks at an investment a business Mm. Just like Stan Kroenke at Arsenal views Arsenal as a business. You look at Stan Kroenke's other businesses, what are they? American football clubs, American hockey clubs, basketball clubs. He's got a lacrosse club. His business is owning these clubs, which are essentially franchises. Um, like British football clubs are essentially franchises now. And their job is to make him a lot of money. And that's what, that's what it's for. It's not about winning. Multi-millionaire owner of Tottenham never leaves, very rarely, leaves this Caribbean island. Yeah. He's probably not even aware how Tottenham did on Saturday unless his PA dares to interrupt his cocktail hour or his martini or something to say, oh, we, had, we drew, and he'll probably say, who? Oh, no, yeah. Tottenham, you know, that team you own? Yeah. Among all the other enterprises you own. It's, yeah. a, just, a, it's just another money-making well, thing, isn't it? Yeah, let me, let me just... Uh, the, I think you've just described of the secretary saying, oh, you won, and he says, who? Just to give you an example to show that that might actually happen. A friend of mine was... Uh, employed by and a good friend of Ingmar Kamprad who, who is the Ikea of Ikea and he met him in in New York in a, in a hotel one morning for a breakfast meeting Kamprad's wife is there with Kamprad and my friend is there with his wife and Kamprad is looking at the menu and he's starting to explode about how expensive it all was yeah. and how terrible it all was and uh, oh, it's disgraceful that they charge this much money and his wife pats him on the arm and says Ingmar said, you own the hotel <laughs> that's beautiful oh, that's just terrible yeah yeah so the, these incre <laughs> incredibly clever multi-billionaire businessmen sometimes forget the day-to-day -day stuff the fa has this 
uh, like due diligence, don't they? Are you a fit and proper person or organisation to own a football club? And I don't think they need to do a lot of work because Sovereign Wealth Fund is prefaced by the word Saudi Arabia. Mm. You know, whenever somebody says Saudi Arabia, just think to yourself, 9-11. 9-11. And, I, and I think Mike Ashley, if he gets his 340 or 350 million, he's, he, then he's culpable, isn't he, as well, a little bit? It's, it's a very I, moral kind of... It, 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 this is an ethics com- conversation, it, it, isn't if it? Y- if, you, if you had viewed yourself as, as the steward if you like, uh, of the club. Not not the guy with the blazer on it. <laughs> no, you mean the steward as in yeah. the, the larger sense of the word. Then, then yes, he would, would be culpable. But Mike Ashley has always made it very plain this is a business. Again, I, yeah. I'm in it to make as much money as I can. And you lot, you fans, you can shut up because you haven't paid for it. I have. If that's the amount of money that leads him to say, well, okay, this is, this is break even, but actually I could do better with the 350 million than Newcastle and he, he probably can, mm-hmm. um, then he'll sell. But I do think it's suspicious that it was suddenly released to the press because that only happens when one party is trying to bounce the other into a deal, and it doesn't usually work. Newcastle fans probably feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I would think so, yeah. Talk about between the devil and the deep blue sea. <laughs> That's exactly where they are, isn't it? It's we, we sell to these terrible people or this terrible person carries on, and the yeah. fans are, poor fans are stuck in the middle. Between a rock and a hard up place. Yeah, so good luck to Newcastle anyway, because it's a bit unfortunate uh, set of circumstances. All right, well, that's what's happened in the FA Cup and sort of some few transfer rumours, Jeff. But let's have a look at the... We're back to the Premier League this Saturday. Uh, lots of games, obviously. But the, for me, the first one, the early game, is probably the big one. Leicester against Chelsea. Second and... Th- or third and fourth against each other. I think, again, the key for Leicester is will Ndidi play. Mm. If Ndidi plays... Leicester should win. If not, well, then. You're, you're then looking at, at Chelsea and predicting anything Chelsea do at the moment is a, a nightmare. They're away from home, which helps them. Yeah, yes, actually, better for them, isn't it? Yeah. And Leicester haven't been that good at home lately, so it could, it's, it'll definitely, for me, it'll definitely be a close game. I'd like it to be Leicester 2, Chelsea 1, because I don't think they'll keep a clean sheet, Leicester. I think Chelsea will breach them. Um, well, Leicester are more likely to keep a clean sheet than, than Chelsea, but it really does depend on Ndidi playing. Mm. If Ndidi plays, then I think your score is probably, it might even be 2 0. Abraham, well, is his confidence going? It, I don't know, I have the impression that it is. Um, is he fit, though? And if he's not fit, you know, Batroy is your mm. centre forward, you're not going to score. Um, yeah, two one, two one might be right. Actually. Yeah, yeah, all right. Um, then bit probably could be a very dire game, but certainly a relegation. Uh, Bournemouth, who we were talking about earlier, against Aston Villa. Aston Villa this week are of course playing in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup second leg, aren't they? So mm. they've got a couple of things to worry about. I mean, they could get to a cup final. They they could get to a cup final. I can see Villa winning this. Yeah. You think they'll beat Bournemouth away? Away, yeah. I'm not sure that Villa care whether it's home or away, to be honest. You yeah. think they'll just play with abandon yeah. and... Yeah. All right, well, that's Bournemouth against Villa. Bourne, poor, poor old Eddie Howe, because he is a good manager. He's a very good I, manager. I think you said last week on the podcast, he's just... It's like with a relationship, sometimes you've just said all you've got to say. Yeah. And that's how it's kind of worked out with he, himself and the players, maybe. Crystal Palace against Sheffield United. I would love Sheffield United to win. I would as well, yeah, definitely. Um, no, I'll go for 2-0 Sheffield United win. Away win again. Liverpool against Southampton. Liverpool win. Move on. Win, yeah. <laughs> Newcastle against Norwich. Norwich kind of creeping back a little bit. Yeah, but they're not consistent. Too little, they? too late. One good game, one bad game. One, you know. Well, actually, 
two bad games, one good game. Mm. Um, Newcastle should win at home. Yeah. Maybe 1-0. Um, yeah, I think 1-0, yeah. Watford against Everton. Isn't that going to be an interesting game, that? See, well, this is what we've said about all this season, is that everybody, apart from Liverpool, everybody is inconsistent. Yeah. There's no, oh, well, of course they're going to win because they're Manchester United, or of course they're going to win their Chelsea. You just don't know. It doesn't matter who's playing who. who well, I'll, I'll go with, with my heart, and I want Watford to win, so I'll say 2-1. I'm going to go for Everton, then, 2-1. West Ham against Brighton. So how oh. many are Brighton going to win by, is the question. <laughs> That's a must-win for West Ham, isn't it? it? Is You've got to beat Brighton at home, yeah, surely. It is, it is a must-win. So, yeah, 2-1 to West Ham. 2-1 to West Ham. Yeah, I think that's about right. And then what should be a good game, Man United against Wolverhampton Wanderers, because they're very close in the league, both battling for the same sort of finishing spot, aren't they? If you had to describe in five or six words the football philosophies, they both defend and counter-attack. Only Wolves do it with some science and precision and practice and... They're, they're much better at it. Wolves to win away. Ooh. Yeah. We know he's probably not going to get sacked, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has got the worst record of any permanent manager at Man United in the last 50 years. Worse than Van Gaal, worse than Moyes, Mourinho. Yeah, I thought it was back to 1931. <laughs> I mean, no, they, they appointed a manager who had previously been a referee who had fixed a match for them 10 years <laughs> <laughs> and and he, t- he turned out to it, he's the worst manager Manchester United have wow. ever had. So and apart from him, yeah. Solskjaer is the worst ever Man United manager. That's so, yeah. pretty shocking. If they lose at home to Wolves, it's another nail in what seems to be an everlasting coffin. Um, does seem to be going on, but he's a, he's a, he's a legend, isn't he, at the club? They're kind of a bit no, of leeway. No, but would they have hired any other person with, with his, his history? No, of course not. Of course not. So it, why it, is he there? He was at Cardiff and he, they got them relegated. Yeah. Or he was the manager when they were relegated. Certainly, I don't just think it, he is. A very intelligent person. I think he knows his football. I just don't think he's got the experience to match the expectations and needs that uh, Man United have uh, or a need from a manager. Yeah. And yeah, anybody else with that experience that have said you're having a laugh, what what you're yeah. employing him for? But somehow he's got away with it. Yeah, can I, can I just give you a quote from Rio Ferdinand? Right, the, the qu- I'm, I'm quoting now. Man United might not thank me, but get the contract out, put it on the table, let him sign it, let him write whatever numbers he wants to put on there. Given what he's done since he's come in, and let him sign the contract and go. Ollie's at the wheel, man. He's doing it. He's doing his thing. Man United are back. That was Rio Ferdinand last year. I've listened to Rio Ferdinand last week uh, saying quite a lot blaming Ollie but saying it's you know dreadful watching Man United and how bad they are and uh, it was him that was saying last week you know Man United squad is more expensive than Liverpool and yet he said yes. that it was a disgrace to watch last week yeah I mean man you know where has the 912 million pounds that's been spent yeah. in the last six years where's it gone and you look at that, cl- that those players on the pitch and think well they're the highest paid squad in the in England and the second highest in the world. And this is what you're getting from them. Lovely quote from Rio Ferdinand, and probably looking back with hindsight, he's probably cringing every time he sees that quote, but you can see where mm. it was coming from at the time. They'd won 12 out of 15 games on the, on the, in a row, hadn't they, including on, beating on, PSG. And on the basis of a dodgy VAR decision, beat PSG, yeah. Yeah, so you can sort of see where that enthusiasm came from, but now the Ross has definitely settled in, I think, oh, and yeah. uh, so it's going to be a long time before they bounce back. There's a huge difference between knowing a lot about football and being able to coach a football team in the modern game. 
you need you need what what Klopp and Guardiola and Nagelsmann and Tuchel can do that teaching them and practicing how to attack the tra- how you transform from defense into attack how you unlock these defenses that just sit back and say okay beat us mm-hmm. it, it requires training and practice and he doesn't know how to do it and Mourinho doesn't know how to do it I think Solskjaer is out of his depth I think he has been since day one the other two games uh, Burnley against Arsenal uh, on Sunday coming up Sunday because this mm. podcast will be around for after that of course so you'll find out if we're right or wrong but Burnley against Arsenal I of course would like to see Burnley win I don't see it though I think Arsenal possibly settling finally into a bit of a rhythm under Arteta not a great one um, I wouldn't buy the album but I don't <laughs> I don't think it's a great rhythm but it is a, a rhythm of sorts and I think Arsenal will beat Burnley 2-1 Hmm. You, th- you think Arsenal are in that, that difficult third album stage? They are in that difficult third album. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for a 2 0 Burnley win. Oh, I hope you're right. And then finally, on t- Sunday afternoon, Tottenham against Man City. I mean, <laughs> what, I'm, not, I'm not optimistic. Depends who we sign by then, but they've been you know, bringing. It's now, we're recording this on a Tuesday, the deadline. Transfer deadline finishes this Friday. The game is on Sunday. Whoever you bring in this week not are not going to be ready to play. No, they're not. Okay, Manchester City should be much too good for Tottenham. They really should. We'll see. No, I'll go for two-one. Yeah, a two-one City win because their defence is still terrible and and they will concede a goal. Yeah, they will. City again have also been inconsistent. I'm hoping for the bad City. I'm going to go for a draw, one all draw. Mm, okay. Yeah. Right, time for the answer to your trivia question. Right, okay, I'll, I'll repeat the question. Valverde, manager of Barcelona this year. Scott Simon, who managed Rangers in 1967. Antoine Camoire, PSG, 2011. Radomir Antic, manager of Real Madrid up to 1992. Branko Zebic, who managed Hamburg up to 1980. George Burley, who managed Hearts up to 2005. What con- what connects them? There are two things, actually. One is they've all been fired while the team they managed were top of the league. Mm-hmm. Which is odd in itself. Well, that's really, a, isn't it? a very strange thing. And, and the payoff for the directors responsible for that decision is that none of those teams went on to win the league. They only finished second or worse. That's, I mean, that's just brilliant. It's not for the manager who got sacked, but there you are, top of the league. You get sacked and you go, well, what more could I have done? And they say, well, you weren't good enough. Look at how we're now going to finish second. <laughs> that's yeah. bizarre. George Burley was removed from Tynecastle by the owner, Vladimir Romanov, in October 2005, with hearts unbeaten and leading the way in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) You're not good enough. They finished second, 17 points behind Celtic. That's shocking. But that Vladimir Romanov is known to be a little bit... Yeah, and he said afterwards, when when this was pointed out, oh, we would have been even worse if Burley had stayed. That's ridiculous. Based on what? Yeah, Yeah, I know. Scott Simon, the the manager of Rangers, he, he was fired while top of the league. He wasn't even told that he was fired. He had to find out through the newspapers that he'd been fired. That's very much Rangers' MO. But every Manchester United fan should know who Scott Simon was. Do you know why? Go on. Because he hired a young, skinny centre-forward called Alex Ferguson. Wow. There's a lot of meat and material in that trivia question this week. Thank you for that. That's all we've got time for. Thank you very much for listening. Just quick thanks to 93.6 Global Radio. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. Join us next week. 
You've been listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Join us again next week for more of their twisted football news, all of their weird football views. You can find them here every week on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. We'll see you again shortly.